This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from Citizen Radio, Democracy Now!, The David Pakman Show, The Media Matters Minute, The Young Turks, This Week in Blackness, The Unfuck It Up Project, Mumia Abu-Jamal, The Tom Hartman Program, and feminist writer Lindy West. And a note to everyone that this episode contains more discussion of rape and sexual assault than anyone should ever be comfortable listening to. So this is from Tori. Uh, I'm sorry I didn't write to you sooner. I have been waiting. That was Jamie. Uh, But it has been hard for me to put this into words. I wanted to thank you for talking so much about rape culture and victim blaming. Uh, It means a lot to me for a lot of reasons. Thank you for defending me against the harassment I've suffered in the streets since I had the audacity to grow boobs. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for being willing to tell people rape jokes aren't okay. Thank you for talking about the victim blaming that occurs when things like Steubenville happen. Thank you for not shaming people who don't report rapes committed against them. Uh, I wish I had been brave enough to stand forward when I was raped by my boyfriend, but he was my boyfriend, and I had no way to prove that what he had done was non-consensual. Uh, though he threatened to kill me repeatedly, uh, he never left any bruises. I felt that my words against my word against his was worthless. Every time he touched me, I wanted to vomit. I'd beg him to turn the light off so I could cry without him seeing. He threatened me if I didn't pretend I was enjoying it. I very nearly committed suicide. While I was out buying the things I needed to kill myself with my money that I'd stolen from his wallet, the absurdity of the situation hit me and I decided to run away. I hid at a woman's shelter for a time, so so sure that I was taking a place someone more deserving could have had. That's a really interesting point. I think a lot of people feel that way, you know? Yeah. like um, Because we have this like cartoon idea of what an quote-unquote actual rape is that if anything atypical you know in a rape happens it's like well this doesn't fit the exact mold that like like i wasn't attacked by a stranger in an alleyway of course like uh, a person with a heart being like i don't want to take the bed right someone else thinking that their rape isn't equal to strange alley rape when obviously uh it is so now I'm renting a house with a group of people and it's good here. It's been about three years since I left him, but I still can't shake the feeling of being human garbage, uh, which you're not. No. I still apologize for everything, which you shouldn't, but I also do that. So you're like me. I'm sorry. Huh. Uh, I still back down immediately whenever someone begins to argue with me. I'm still shocked that anyone would be my friend or say something kind to me. Uh, Every time you say something that supports people who were in my situation, it gives me strength. Every time you disagree with someone who would say I was the one in the wrong, I feel better. Thanks so much. Uh, Thank you for everything. Well, and this is why I will thank you for the email. But this is literally why I have zero sympathy for rape culture deniers, because they are waging war against people who in a lot of cases have had similar experiences to this. Yeah. Where they have been terrorized, silenced, marginalized, and they're slowly trying to rebuild their lives. Yep. And by the way, you sound like you're doing great, but, and, but thank you for your email. But this is the community that they've picked a fight with, where it's like, fuck you, man. You guys are bullies. You're monsters. Yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. And you, you, you're, not, you're not brave. Uh, you're not a tough guy. Um... I mean, you're the opposite of that. You're the opposite of the fucking alpha male you think you are. I mean, what brave people do, what tough guys do, is they go after people who haven't 
been victimized. They go after the, the victimizer. They yeah. go after the aggressors. That's how you show you're fucking tough. You're not fucking tough by attacking someone who needs your help. Yeah, but a lot of the times it's like, you know, if they haven't attacked someone themselves, it's like, well, you know, yeah, my buddy had sex with a girl who was passed out, but that doesn't make him a rapist. Well, yeah, my buddy makes his girlfriend do shit that she doesn't want to in bed, but that doesn't make him a rapist. Like, they just don't want to admit that everyone is touched by rape culture. And yes, you probably statistically do know a dude who's raped a girl. And, and, and they just don't want to accept that. Well, and don't make it about you, you know, by denying it. You're making it about you because you've become an accomplice. Um, if one of your friends rapes a girl, that doesn't mean that feminists think you're a rapist. Right. That doesn't mean that you're a rapist. It means you have to fucking sack the fuck up mm -hmm. and do something about it. And stop being such a goddamn coward. But can I still be an alpha male if I do that? What, uh, can I still watch Tosh 2.0? <laughs> it's like, if some fucking... No one's gonna take Tosh away from you. You're fine. <laughs> We almost killed our fat cat the other day when Tosh came on and he was sitting Aww. on the remote control. Aww. We like launched him across the Threw room before <laughs> so we could turn it. He was definitely airborne for a At brief least a, second. a brief period, yeah. Uh, so busy. before Thank we, you for writing in and, and yes. And you sound great and we are complimenting you and you should not apologize for this compliment. Uh, we mean it. I hope we get to to meet you one day. Uh, I'm really glad the show helped. And remember, it's not just me and Allie. I mean, the majority of things we say on this show are also supported by the uh, incredible uh, Citizen Radio community. So it's all of those people that have your back as well. It's not just, you know, yeah, us and, and our cash. It should be, uh, you know, comforting that the smartest people have your back. You know, like all of the incredible feminist writers and allies, like if you when you meet them, because I'm sure you'll get a chance to meet them. Um you just realize you're on the right side. It's like, oh, you guys are brilliant. And the people who are against us are fucking stupid. Like, yeah. they're morons or they're ignorant. Exactly. There are just, like, some genuinely ignorant guys who are like, I don't understand what rape culture is. And then you explain it to them. And they're like, oh, shit, that's a bad thing. I'm going to fight against that. They're not the dummies I'm talking about. The yep. dummies I'm talking about know damn well what rape culture is. And they just hate women and refuse to accept yeah, it. And I also said something at one point when I was just ranting. I wasn't watching my words. And I said, like who need protecting obviously you no one needs protecting no woman like needs a guy to step up and you know i mean nor should the onus you know like be on them for you know you shouldn't have to live your life in fear because men don't know how to fucking ask for consent yeah but at the same time it's like allies in any social movement are very 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 important we turn now to a story in the crosshairs of women's rights and gun control. Political analysts Erlena Maxwell is refusing to be silent after receiving racially fueled death threats for speaking out against rape. 
Maxwell, who's a rape survivor, appeared on a Fox News segment with Sean Hannity last week about the possibility of arming women to prevent rape. She said the responsibility should lie instead with men. Women have been recommended that they use whistles mm -hmm. and what, pens, mm -hmm. that they faint, fake faint, urinate, puke on people. The most idiotic things yes. that have been said by these arrogant, ignorant politicians out well, there. Well, I think that the entire conversation is wrong. I don't want anybody to be telling women anything. I don't want women, I don't want men to be telling me what to wear, how to act, not to drink. And I don't honestly want you to tell me that I needed a gun in order to prevent my rape. And I in agree. my case, in my case, don't tell me if I had only had a gun, I wouldn't have been raped because right, I'm still you putting have, it on you me have, you have, to prevent You have written rape. about this. I have, yes. That this happened to you. Yes. And oh. I, I was attacked by someone I knew. Mm -hmm. So you're required, if, if you what you're saying works out in reality, not not in a theoretical scenario. You're requiring that I shoot someone that I know. No, 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 I'm not, that is not no, 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 the reality. No, 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 Two thirds no, no, of women no, are attacked by someone they know. Nobody is requiring that you do it. I have carried a weapon my entire adult life, and I've had license to carry in five the five recent states that I've lived in. Um, and I am trained, I'm a marksman in the use of a pistol. I have been since I'm 11 years old, I've been a good shot. Only if women choose to, they ought to have the right. That ought to be their choice. I don't think that we should be telling women anything. I think we should be telling men not to rape women and start the conversation there well, criminals are not gonna listen to that. No, so but I agree with you. We're not, I mean, yes, but, men are com committing a crime, but many but of the men that commit are rape are people that should know. But, but we're, you're no man about, should do that to you're anybody. You're talking about it as if there's some faceless, nameless criminal when it, it, a lot of times it's someone that you know and trust. Well, I'm saying that women need to know that these situations arise, and we've got to, evil exists in the world. Yes, but evil we, can, we can prevent rape by telling men not to commit it. No, not that's not right. That that criminals not will not listen. No, we're not talking so about criminals. Women, we're talking about a I want women to be able to protect themselves, don't you? I want women to be able to protect themselves, yes. But I want women to not be in this situation. I, and by, I agree they're going to be in that No, situation. that's not true. If you train and men not to grow up to become rapists, you, you prevent think, you rape. Think you can stop, you think you think you can tell a rapist to stop doing what he's doing? Yes, yes. And he's going to listen to a there are organizations that do this. Men stop. Men can stop rape. Men stopping violence. They train young men Listen. to not rape. In response to her remarks, Maxwell received a torrent of racially fueled abuse on social media, with uh, people saying she deserved to be gang raped and killed. Um, one person wrote, "Quote: I hope you get raped and your throat slit. Maybe then you understand why white men have to be armed." Well, on Monday, she responded to the comments on MSNBC, saying, "Quote: I'm certainly taking steps to protect my emotional health, but I will not be quiet because I refuse to be bullied into silence." For more, we're joined in studio by Zerlina Maxwell herself, political analyst, contributor to Ebony.com. Welcome to Democracy Now! Well, Thank you've been you so through trite, quite an ordeal. <laughs> yes, it's been a very long week, but I think um, what's what's come out in, in, on the good side of things is that I'm getting a lot of support from other survivors that say, you know, I'm really supportive of your message. And really what I was trying to say is that the conversation about guns has nothing to do with the conversation about rape and prevention. And again, it's just another way way to put it on women um, and, and putting it on them to have the responsibility to prevent rape. And that's the wrong way to do it. 
Not what is Fox saying to you about uh, the kind of comments you've gotten afterwards? Well, you know, I, I, I've gotten a lot of support from them. Um, and in, in the end, I actually don't put it on Fox's shoulders as to why I got the, the reaction that I did. Um, the, the segment was covered in conservative media, so it was when it went up on the conservative websites when I started getting a lot of the hateful comments. Well, uh, you've been a, a, a frequent guest on, on Fox News in the past. Have you ever gotten a, a kind of reaction like you've gotten on this particular issue? In well, this is my first time ever talking about this particular issue, but I have done segments about guns because that's, you know, a hot topic right now. And I've never, ever received any any of the feedback um, like the ones, uh, the, the violent feedback that I got this week. Normally, it's just I disagree. You're stupid. That's fine. You know, I, I can deal with that. You just, you know, ignore that type of comment. But when it, it, it goes to violence and, you know, people being very, very cruel, especially since I outed myself as a rape survivor in this segment, which actually wasn't the clip that was on conservative media sites. They took that part out. Um, but I think that, you know, when I'm when I'm putting myself out there and I'm being vulnerable because I think the message and the issue is important, you know, and you respond with violence, I think in many ways you're proving my point that there is a cultural problem that we need to address. Um, Zerlina, you wrote a piece this week, Five Ways We Can Teach Men Not to Rape. Talk about those ways. Yes. Um, we need to teach people what consent is. And, you know, this week we, we're seeing in Ohio the Steubenville um, rape trial with two high school football players. And the defense attorney is basically arguing that she was too drunk in order to say no. And so that means imply she's implying that she consented to everything that happened um, once she began drinking that night and you know number one on the list is we need to teach young men about consent because I think it's not that people don't know that rape is wrong I think we all can agree that you know people know that it's wrong but I think a lot of people don't know what rape is and so there there are times when young men will be in a situation where they do something that they think is ambiguous but in legally it's classified as rape and you know, it's it all comes down to consent and knowing what that is. One of the things you talk about, you raised on Fox and you talk about in your piece on the Steubenville case, uh, which is headlined, Why Acquaintance Rape is Not a Myth, is right. that most women are raped by people they know. Right. And this is one of the reasons why the gun conversation is completely um, ridiculous on its face in terms of prevention of rape, because most women are going to be in a situation where they know the person, right? So you're not going to be out on a date or in your apartment with an acquaintance and have a gun out that's just not I mean if you're particularly because most guns if you're doing it the pr appropriate way you're gonna lock it up and, and uh, make sure that it's not stolen or used by a child and so you're not gonna have your gun on hand anytime and um, something like this comes up and I think the problem is is that too many women 80% of women are raped by someone they know and so you're not going to have the gun out and I think the most important thing is that people understand that rape happens in this way and not in the jump out of the bushes stranger rape type of way the majority of times and that of course happens but the majority of rapes are this um, other way this acquaintance date rape type of way and we have to un we we have to acknowledge that this is a real thing this is not this is not something that we can pretend doesn't exist and, and this whole emphasis now, or th this attempt to solve everything, <laughs> uh, all the major right. problems by arm yourself, whether right. it's a, the school shootings now and now uh, and, and Hannity discussing the issue of rape. What does it tell you about uh, the problems we face as a society that we see constantly see the need to, well, arm yourself to protect yourself against evil in the and, world? Well, I, I mean, one of the things that was telling about the evil um, part of the segment was that 
rape in, in many instances, and I think Steubenville is a perfect example of this. It's not about evil, right? In Steubenville, those those boys are very fairly ordinary, right? They play football. They're from a small Midwest town. They're they're really ordinary, and it's the conditioning that they received as young men leading into their teenage years that led them to allegedly do this. And so I think it has to do. I mean, the gun issue is just completely separate. And I think, um, in many ways, they're exploiting um, women's rights in order to promote just a pro-gun mm -hmm. agenda. And I think that that's wrong. And so I, I just wanted to make that point clear in this segment. Um, I want to turn to a hearing on gun control measures in Colorado last week that Sean Hannity brought up during your appearance on his show. This is the testimony of one unnamed rape survivor. The harsh reality as a woman is that a firearm is the one equalizing factor when met against an opponent much larger than me. The question of my life is and will remain to be what would have been different if I had been able to carry my firearm that night? Your response, Relina? Uh, you know, that's hard for me to watch because I, you know, as a fellow survivor, I'm, I'm supportive of her, um, you know, pro thought process and it's not my fault and I could have prevented it because I went through the sa a similar process. I think a lot of survivors go through that. What could I have done differently? Maybe if I hadn't gone out, you know, you put it on yourself, the responsibility on yourself. But I, I think that the response to that, I didn't actually think that the lecture, mini lecture she got from the Democratic representative um, in that, at the end of that clip, um, was necessary either. I don't really want anyone to be lecturing rape survivors about anything because many of them put it on themselves they blame themselves you're already going through that process you don't need anybody else to put more on you um, and and so you feel a deeper sense of guilt um, as if you could have prevented it when in reality you can't um, I think that's uh, the core of the issue can you talk about anti-rape strategies that you think work I think men can stop rape. I keep citing them um, in every interview that I do because one of the things that I, I did um, as a journalist, I went and covered one of their bystander intervention workshops. And it was incredible. It changed my uh, you know view on humanity in a lot of ways because it was 17 to 22 year old boys and they learned really passive strategies on how to intervene if they see a troubling situation at a party. And it's not about confronting someone and saying, you know, get away from that girl, <laughs> you know, she looks too drunk. It's not really necessarily about that. You can do it in very, um, you know, non-confrontational ways. And I think that this is revolutionary because you want to prevent these situations before they come up. Um, and that's why a gun is not going to solve it because that's really after um, something has already begun that's bad. So if you can tell young men to intervene when they see their female friend or a guy friend even, right? So say he's in a situation where he's trying to talk to a girl that seems that, she, you know, to be too intoxicated. Hey man, maybe you don't want to talk to that girl. Maybe you don't want to leave with her. She looks too intoxicated. You don't want to get into that, that situation. It can be something very small. And then you can stop these situations from happening. Well, Zerlina, we want to thank you very much for being with us. Thank you. Um, your comment to those who've written these racist uh, death threats and rape threats against you? You know, I wish them well. This program can only do what it does because of the members who support the show for as little as $5 a month. And as thanks for the support, members now get access to bonus content, including additional voicemails and clips that didn't fit in the big show, and additional stories and discussion topics from me. Plus, I've organized a full archive of the show, including a curated selection of my favorite past episodes, as well as a collection of my absolute favorite radio clips from all sorts of places. All that now available only to members. If you're already a member and want access to all this great content, draw me 
an email at j at bestoftheleft.com so I can get you set up. And if you're not yet a member, you can sign up now at the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Thanks so much for your support. The military sexual assault crisis. I don't know that scandal is the right word, but certainly a crisis, Lewis. Yes. Uh, the most recent news is that a soldier assigned to coordinate a sexual assault prevention program in Texas is now being investigated for being someone who committed sexual assaults. And there's a lot of other alleged misconduct. Um, there has been a suspension from duty, uh, according to the Army's latest announcement. Now, that announcement, Lewis, came just one week after an Air Force officer who headed up another sexual assault prevention office was himself arrested on charges of groping a woman in a parking lot. So to contextualize this, I think first we should look at recent sexual assault allegations in the military. So let's put that graphic up for people who are watching. Military sexual assault cases in 2009 and 2010. This is according to McClatchy. And a total of 2,039 rape and sexual assault allegations were made. Now, of those... Those are just the ones that are reported. Those are just the ones that are reported, exactly. Forget about the fact that countless of these incidents are never reported right. because they have to go through the chain of command, which I will talk about, and they never officially are reported because those in the chain of command are sometimes involved in the assaults. 2,039 are reported, okay? Allegations are made. All but 551 either receive non-criminal punishment or the victim ends up declining to participate in any kind of uh, prosecution or follow-up, and the reasons for that are also disturbing, uh, the commander declines to take action or some other resolution, right? So of the 2,039, which is a small fraction of the ones that take place, 551 actually lead to courts martial. Of those 551 from 2009 to 2010... Only 147 actually resulted in rape or other sexual offense convictions. So 114 were convicted of lesser charges. 52 were discharged instead of ever going to trial. About 200 were either acquitted or dismissed. 40 had some other resolution. 147 out of the 2039 original allegations. Now, we could say, you know, sometimes there are allegations made which either don't meet the spirit or the letter of sexual assault, and it would make sense that not all 2039 lead to convictions for rape or sexual assault, and I would agree with that. However, it is not a 147 for every 2039 ratio. That we can be absolutely sure of. Right, and this is what's happening every year, basically. Um, and if you compare this to uh, the civilian equivalent, the numbers, it's estimated that how many uh, what's the percentage that go unreported when it comes to civilian cases? It's more than half, I think. I mean, so you, you could probably double this number. You could at least probably double it, yeah. realistically speaking. Now, we can talk about kind of two issues here. One is what is making this happen, and that's more of a cultural, societal question. And we've talked about that a lot on this show, so I don't want to address that angle right now. I want to address the angle of, what is the system in the military that is preventing justice from happening, which, of course, will serve to only encourage the idea that you can get away with this? Well, it's, it's that there's no, there's no civilian uh, unit 
There's no, there's no alternative justice system for it. It goes beyond that. It goes beyond that because it is really about chain of command. Chain of command in the military is this kind of hierarchy of authority and responsibility where at each level you report whatever it is or make whatever request to the, to the, the level of command that is immediately above you. And they make the decision about whether it goes to the next level. This is this was originally based on the British system, right? The British military system had this chain of command. The American system was based off of that British system. However, the British have already stopped using chain of command for sexual assault cases years ago because they realized it doesn't work. When those in the chain of command are involved in the sexual assault or have an interest in it not being reported, for example... If I'm in because the chain it makes of command, you look bad. exactly, and I want a promotion, I don't want it showing up anywhere that lower on my chain of command there were sexual assault reports. Right. So I have an interest in not reporting them. Chain of command here is an absolute problem. It needs to be changed. The British have already realized it needs to be changed, period. That's it. Yeah, it's the quickest fix in the world. When it comes to sexual assault and um, similar things, you don't use the chain of command. No question Very about simple. It. This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Hillary Tone. The Wall Street Journal's James Taranto dismissed the epidemic of sexual assault in the military, claiming that efforts to address the growing problem contributed to, quote, an effort to criminalize male sexuality. On the Wall Street Journal's web show, Opinion Journal Live, Taranto doubled down on his claim when discussing the blocked promotion of Lieutenant General Susan J. Helms, who granted clemency to an officer found guilty of sexual assault. Your op-ed today in the paper says that she's a, somehow a victim of a war on men. How is that? That's right. Well, this goes back to the uh, effort to combat the political campaigning against sexual assault in the military. And this seems to be turning into an effort to criminalize male sexuality. James, when did this war on men begin? Can you pinpoint a, a starting point? Well, it all goes back to the beginning of contemporary feminism uh, in the early 60s. You know, women wanted to be equal to men. They wanted to be able to do all the sorts of professional things, including the military, that men could do. Taranto's discussion of the war on men is unsurprising given his history of repeatedly defending white males from, quote, anti-white bigotry. I came across an article in Salon that I thought really hit the nail on the head. It was written by Mary Elizabeth Williams. She writes a lot of great pieces for Salon. And in this particular piece, she writes about how women can be just as misogynistic and sexist as some guys. And I love that she brought attention to this because one thing that I've been arguing about on the show for some time now is when it comes to body image issues that women have, it's usually because other women tear them apart. Mm -hmm. Yes, there are guys that are also critical about a woman's appearance, but a lot of times women love to pick other women apart and make them feel bad about themselves. Now, Mary Elizabeth Williams uh, pointed to a case involving Liz Jones, who's a columnist for the Daily Mail and also so Liz Jones writes a piece about uh, Rihanna, and she says the following, that Rihanna promotes drug-taking, drinking, and the sort of fashion sense on stage that surely invites rape at worst, disrespect at least, and is infecting our high streets with her gun tattoos, her false nails, and fake hair, her bogus, badass shenanigans. Mm -hmm. So, uh, first of all, she's tearing Rihanna apart because of her appearance, which I don't agree with. Um, but I think she takes it too far when she mentions the way Rihanna dresses and then says that she invites rape. You never blame 
the way a woman dresses when it comes to rape. You don't blame the victim. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how provocatively a woman is dressed. It doesn't matter how scantily clad she is. That does not excuse rape, and that does not promote rape. Yeah. Um, so already she's completely lost me. What are your thoughts? Yeah. So uh, I, I like that we're seeing this example because this is something that has existed. Like we assume that the that the danger to women comes from men. Uh, that's that's what we've been we've been trained by the media to believe. Um, but of course, women do tear women down too. And it's not just about the whole perpetuating the rape culture and all that. It's also I mean we saw the Wendy Davis the filibuster. Like it was the female. Uh, I guess parliamentarian or whatever, who's trying to rush to read the names, like, there were women who were super excited for increased restrictions on abortion. Like, women tear women down too. Now, I mean, we're going to go much more in depth, but the only thing I worry about covering this story is that some, some men will take this as saying, well, look, if women do it too, then why are we so worried about what men do? And I think that they are separate problems, that we can deal with, with the men and the women in separate ways. I, I don't think that they're necessarily separate problems. I think that misogynistic comments in the media are you know pushed by both men and women I, and I think a lot of times feminists lose the battle when they focus solely on the actions of men mm -hmm. you also have to focus on the actions of women having these like who wore it better columns and, and, and stupid articles about a woman's appearance as opposed to the substance of what she's trying to do mm -hmm. definitely leads to like a sexist culture and a lot of times those articles are written by women yeah. not necessarily by men yeah well I mean I, I don't think those things are as bad as like the, the you dress this way so you deserve to get raped sort of stuff of course um, especially because some of the people that are profiled in these who wore it better things there is not really any substance to what they're doing the substance is what they're wearing right in some I know cases, I, I, I understand true. that but yeah so look and let's bear in mind she is she's a clown her job is to be a clown she's supposed to say crazy things and dance around and that's what she gets paid for now uh, she did attack Rihanna and then Rihanna decided to attack her and and part of Rihanna's attack was I think justified right but then she went it kind of devolved into making fun of the way this woman looks so Rihanna posted a picture of Liz Jones on her Instagram account obviously it's not the most flattering picture of Liz Jones and then really? uh, and then on the caption she wrote uh, this shit ain't clever that shit ain't journalism that's a sad sloppy menopausal mess now the very beginning of it where she says it's not clever and it's not journalism I'm 100% behind that don't tear other women apart like that like uh, and I get it some people have been tearing Rihanna apart because they don't see her as a good role model but you mm -hmm. know what Rihanna didn't ask to be a role model I used to be part of that camp that you know would judge her and would say like oh you're doing terrible things to young girls throughout the world they idolize you they look up to you but mm -hmm. you know what it's really up to parents to be the real role models and teach their daughters like you know whatever physical abuse is never okay yada 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 she's she's a singer she gets paid to sing that's all she is yeah I, I, I mean I don't have the same position as you I'm just gonna keep it real like I, I totally agree with mm -hmm. you she did not she didn't ask to be a role model. I, I think to some extent when you put, thrust yourself in the public spotlight you are asking to be a role model in some sense you're asking to be worshipped basically I think that some of them are um, but I, I don't think you have to ask to have a responsibility, and especially when it, it's been made very clear to her for years that she has an effect on the lives of other people. And uh, so I don't have the same position as you on, on Rihanna's effect. Um, but I think that, look, the, the attack by Liz Jones 
is horrible. Uh, it perpetuates some of the worst stereotypes about women and, and the, the relationships between male, uh, males and females. But I don't like Rihanna's response either, of course. Because no, I hate Rihanna's response because y as soon as you point to the fact that she's a menopausal mess, then you're attacking the way she looks and it distracts from the real message, which is, hey, this isn't journalism. Yeah. Tearing people apart like this isn't yeah. what we should be focusing our energy on. And, and th that message is easy to lose when she is doing exactly that. Exactly. Not just attacking her appearance, but saying, why would you respect a woman who no longer can bear children? She's menopausal. She doesn't deserve your respect. How would you like to be able to read books and periodicals without the need for tree-killing paper, the actual ability to read, or having to pay a giant corporation for the pleasure? I sure would, but I don't think that exists. Two out of three ain't bad, though, because Audible, an Amazon company, is just such a giant corporation that can make these other wishes a reality. By signing up at audiblepodcast.com slash best, you'll receive a free audiobook of your choice, yours to keep even if you cancel within the 14-day free trial. That's audiblepodcast.com slash best to take something for nothing from a company who obviously didn't write the copy for this advertisement. We are welcoming our guest, Chris Anderson. He is the executive director of uh, MaleSurvivor.org, which is the leading not-for-profit organization committed to preventing, healing, and eliminating all forms of sexual victimization of boys and men through support, treatment, research, education, advocacy, and activism. Sorry, and you there. Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, we can hear you. Thank you very much for uh, calling, uh, uh, allowing, uh, speaking with us today about this particular topic. Uh, and you, thank you, you very much for having me. Not a problem. And you're the executive director of MaleSurvivor.org. Uh, and That's uh, could you tell us a little bit about your organization? MaleSurvivor.org uh, is an organization that provides hope, healing, and support to male survivors of sexual assault and abuse, and our partners in healing. Oh wow, that was that was that was the boilerplate. Uh, but but like, uh, like uh, yeah, you say short and sweet. So, but no, but you you can uh, uh, talk a little bit more about it. Like break it, break down kind of sure. what you guys. Uh, we, uh, we were originally uh, uh, founded back in the mid '90s by a group of psychotherapists and mental health professionals who were starting to see a rise in the number of male survivors coming into their practices, uh, and they realized there were there were really no resources available for this population. Uh, and in the years since, uh, it's developed into a, an organization that provides uh, direct resources and support to male survivors from all over the world uh, through our website where we have a number of discussion forums and a chat room uh, that helps bring survivors together. We have a resource directory that helps survivors find resources uh, in their communities such as uh, support groups and uh, therapists who have experience working uh, with the population. And we also run uh, some healing retreats uh, and uh, also uh, host an international conference uh, every two years in New York City. Wow, that's uh, that's, that's that's a lot, sir. Uh, it is, and yeah, but it's it's barely a drop in the bucket uh, when you consider there's probably uh, it's, uh, at least twenty five to thirty million uh, male survivors of sexual assault uh, in the U.S. alone. Really? Uh, like, we're, is, is, uh, we're only 
Are there stats on that? Like on, on actual stats on that? Because like that's something that we we were uh, actually trying to look at. We we heard that the, uh, there was something like one in six men, but like I couldn't find like a place that uh, could substantiate that particular uh, number. One in uh, the the currently accepted stats uh, uh, from a couple of different sources. Uh, U.S. Department of Justice. There's a study called the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study. Uh, and uh, research uh, by a number of uh, researchers and experts, among whom uh, Jim Hopper uh, is one of the leading people on this, that uh, puts the number uh, approximately one in six uh, males are sexually abused before the age of 16. Um, and by sexually abused, yeah, uh, sexually abused, because that, that's another thing, but a lot of times people don't really look at it in that particular manner, the idea of sexual abuse. So that's including molestation and things like that, right? Correct, correct. It, 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 sexual abuse in the in in the broad term means uh, any form of non consensual sexual contact uh, between uh, between one person and another. Um, and uh, when we look at all of the forms of sexual abuse, uh, obviously rape included, um, but uh, some uh, you know other forms of, of non consensual contact, uh, the the numbers truly are staggering uh, when you start digging into it. Wow. And, uh, and why, why is it like, like, cause I know a lot of times, like we said, the numbers are a little bit uh, hard because there's so much, uh, like a lot of the stigma that's around it. Like, could mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about the, uh, the idea of this, these conversations just not being allowed to have happen? Well, there is, I mean, especially in, uh, you know, for men, uh, and males in general, but also very particularly in, in certain, uh, in certain, um, uh, communities, uh, especially in many cases, uh, this is true in the African American community, uh, as well as Latino communities and others. Um, there's a very, very high value placed on this, this sort of sense of hyper masculinity, the idea that a man can't be vulnerable, a man can't be a victim. Uh, and, you know, you, you define your masculinity by not only how tough you are, but, you know, how sexually active you are. Um, so the very idea of being open and speaking about uh, having been sexually abused or raped or violated is something that goes very, very much against the grain in uh, in many in many masculine cultures, um, and that winds up being a huge problem for uh, you know for most male survivors because it becomes both very difficult for them to come forward and to speak openly uh, about it because of those cultural stereotypes. But there's also a strong lack of resources uh, for male survivors to be able to take advantage of. Uh, oftentimes, we I know many stories of uh, male survivors who've actually tried to contact local rape crisis centers uh, and have actually been told that all of the resources in a given community are for female survivors of sexual violence. Mm. And and wow. just and as of recent, it was it, uh, up until a certain point, uh, 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 there was a gender uh, aspect to rape. Correct. Yes, that's yes, that's correct. Uh, two uh, two years ago, the FBI redefined uh, the definition of rape for the purposes of crime statistics reporting, uh, and it became a gender inclusive definition at that time. So, when we actually look at historical statistics for most of the 20th century uh, and the beginning of the 21st century, uh, the the FBI simply did not track uh, male rape at all. It didn't exist as, as a crime in the statistics and the record keeping. And that's still true in there are a number of, uh, there are still a number of states in the country where rape itself is defined as a crime against women in particular. And there's, there's actually no law technically against male rape on the books. 
Oh wow, wow, Dasha, you you want you were about to say something? No, I I mean I just I was wondering if if um if there's any way to to correct um like in a general rape crisis center to educate about the fact that there's so many men that are survivors of of rape and sexual abuse. Well, I think the work that I think the work that groups like Male Survivor uh, and other groups like One in Six are doing are is starting to make some headway in that. The very fact that uh, we're having this conversation right now is a big indication of the fact that there is a growing awareness in the society that this is a problem that has been underreported and under-resourced for a very, very long time. You know, the issue is not oftentimes that uh, rape crisis centers are uh, unwilling to provide services to male survivors. It's more than anything else, the domestic violence landscape has been sort of framed and surrounded by uh, an idea that, uh, you know, traditionally the stereotype is women are victims and males are the perpetrators. And we're starting to learn at last that that's really, um, that's an assumption that isn't necessarily borne out by, by the statistics. And in order to provide comprehensive services to all victims of sexual violence in our communities, we need to be doing a better job of having these discussions and putting pressure on uh, public agencies and local governments to try and ensure that all survivors of sexual violence, uh, regardless of their age, of their race, of their gender, or any other way you want to characterize somebody, uh, is able to access the support that they need to heal. Wow. And, and now, um, there, there's, a, there's a lot of conversation around uh, the idea that, that it's because of the very act, because men, like you, like you were saying earlier, are hyper-masculine, uh, like the way how our nature, uh, I mean, how our society kind of paints, and societies as a whole uh, push men in a particular way, uh, there, the discussion around this doesn't even, like, even really hit in any real way because if, if, if something like, like the story that, like, kind of led us to this, like, uh, four women atta- sexually attacking a, a dude, that is not looked at as a tragedy, as much as, oh, wow, that dude got lucky, ha, 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 ha. Right. And, and in point of fact, those jokes not only um, reinforce that harmful and destructive stereotype, but they establish a double standard whereby sexual violence is fine as long as it's perpetrated by a female against a man and is something worthy of joking about. Uh, while it also serves to reinforce and further re-victimize both that survivor himself uh, but any other man who might be, you know, who might have gone through a similar situation, uh, and there are many of them out there, there's a far greater number of men who were sexually uh, violated by a female offender, but who don't understand or rec- even recognize it as sexual assault because, simply because it was sex with a woman, so they think. They, we don't see that these are crimes that the, the heart of this crime is about power and about consent. And if somebody, it doesn't matter who they are, has that ability to give consent taken away from them, that's abuse. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I do not, uh, I do not fight you on this. And so, what, what are, what are some of the, uh, the, the tips that you have for people to, who, to kind of like deal with this, kind of like get, like if they have someone in their life that might have experienced something like this, or this happened to them and they've just been uncomfortable about talking about it in the first place. Well, if. If any of your listeners uh, are themselves a survivor and they've never reached out for help, 
Uh, I strongly recommend that they uh, visit our website, nowsurvivor.org. We have a tremendous amount of resources there and a wonderful community uh, of survivors on our discussion forums and in our chat rooms. Uh, in addition, anybody who's uh, listening who happens to be a friend or a family of somebody who, <clears throat> who's a survivor, we also have a forum for, for friends and family as well there. Uh, and really, one of the best things to do at the very start is to try and connect with other survivors and just start to really learn that this is something that is far more common than we have ever really thought in the society and that there are resources, there are communities of support available for every survivor. Uh, in addition, one of the things that we always tell people is it, the, the first step for every survivor is to be able to find a person or somebody or a safe place to be able to start talking about it. And if you have somebody in your life who you think is a survivor or has told you they're a survivor, the best thing that you can possibly do just at the very start is believe them. Don't mm. joke about it. Don't tell them, oh, couldn't have been that bad. Just believe them and say, you know, I, I believe what you're telling me, and I'm willing to, I'm willing to help you find wh whatever you need in order to be able to heal. Wow. Indeed, indeed, sir. Thank you so much for coming on and having this conversation with us. It's very much appreciated. And uh, and your and the uh, website again is www.mailsurvivor.org. And do you have any uh, social media that you uh, people can follow for information? Absolutely, we're on Facebook uh, at facebook.com/slash mailsurvivor, and we're also on Twitter at mailsurvivor org, and the org is capitalized. Indeed, thank you so much, sir. Thank you very much for having me. You've been dropped like a dream to the floor You've been told not to try anymore But you're waking from yesterday's war Cause you're a survivor And your strength has been stolen away And your faith has been worn to a fray But you live to live on one more day Cause you're a survivor Nothing can stop you now Nothing can back you down You never give up, you never give in You're a survivor This article was written by James Toronto Apparently this dude has a reputation for being a fucking turd Yeah, that turd. doesn't surprise me Um so it's called Sex, Lies, and the War on Men. So immediately I'm like, well, this is going to be stupid. Or, or, or is the lie that there's a war on men, in which case I'm in. Uh, well, well, here's the dumb. subheader. The rights of the accused are under vicious attack. Aw, men. Men, are you okay? Oh, do you still have all the rights? Oh, Did, you'll be fine. Does your mangina hurt? Um, hey, Wall Street Journal, yeah. what the fuck's going on? When I first fucking saw, uh, while you would load that up, when I first saw everyone tweeting about this, I just assumed it was on like a fucking Reddit sub forum. I didn't know this guy writes for the fucking Wall Street Journal. So this is what he writes. A massive twit storm washed over your humble columnist yesterday, ugh, ugh, ugh. set off by our Wall Street Journal op-ed defending an Obama nominee and the rights of criminal defendants. To recap briefly, Senator Claire McCaskill has placed a, quote, permanent hold on the nomination of General Susan Helms to be vice commander of the Air Force Space Command. McCaskill is, push is punishing Helms for having granted clemency to an officer under her command, Captain Matthew Herrera, who was convicted of aggravated sexual assault. 
We reviewed the facts and uh. concluded that Helms was correct in holding that the prosecution case was so weak as to make the conviction unjust. Herrera did not escape punishment. He pleaded guilty to an indecent act and was involuntarily discharged from the service. Our argument infuriated feminists, yielding hundreds of tweets and perhaps a dozen posts on various leftist websites. Particularly noteworthy was a tweet from At Invisible War, which which promotes a documentary described as a groundbreaking investigation into the epidemic of rape in the U.S. military. And this is uh, my quick digression here. They've been on MSNBC a lot, the filmmakers. They've worked really hard to give a voice to women who have been sexually assaulted in the military. I'm assuming they listen to our show. Hello. (laughs) It's a very important documentary. Uh, So the tweet read, appalling. Wall Street Journal's James Toronto thinks we're criminalizing male sexuality by prosecuting military victims. Um, God damn it, Wall Street Journal. Your website sucks. Yeah, well, that's because they suck. So he writes, this is an utter falsehood. Our column discussed sexual assault but made no specific mention of rape, a distinct and more serious offense under military law. Herrera was not accused of rape. He sent a corrective tweet to Invisible War, but no correction has been forthcoming. Readers are left to draw their own inferences uh, as to the film's credibility. And then he fucking goes on ad nauseum. Um, He bitches about all of the mean tweets he got from the mean feminists. Uh, he bitches about Jezebel. At one point he pointed out that like women have no idea what it's like to like have their opinion shot down like on Twitter and stuff. And it's like, whoa, dude, do you not know how the internet works? Yeah. Well, this is privileged, uh, white dude speaking. Where it's like, finally, like, yeah, these people are just, they surround themselves with these like disgusting jokes and hanger ons and yes men. And so once there's pushback from a community, they're just like, ah, the bitches are loose. And Ooh, they freak he, out. He gets a little uh, racial. He calls uh, them a lynch mob. All right. Um, oh, that's right. That's right. I saw people posting that he's comparing like what he's going through on Twitter as an old rich white guy columnist for the Wall Street Journal to Jim Crow. <laughs> I love male white privilege where you like, how do you not hear yourself speaking and think I'm a ridiculous human being? Well, even like here's like, I don't like to say this, but let's say you think that let's say in your oh head, my God, you, this is so long. Let's say in your head, you go, oh, this is like Jim Crow. Even if you truly believe that if you were at all, if you were like a tiny sliver of uh, 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 of rationality left, you'd go, I'm not going to fucking say it, though. I'll tell my friends. I'll tell my white friends this is like Jim Crow. <laughs> but, like, the public might think that's ridiculous. Yeah. Unless you really believe it, which clearly he does. Because people were mean to him on Twitter. Okay, so this is the paragraph you were talking about. All this vis- viciousness was in the service of denying that there is, as we wrote in yesterday's article, a war on men. Well... Imagine if a prominent feminist journalist wrote about the war on women and dozens of conservative male writers responded by subjecting her to similar verbal abuse. Would that not be prima facie evidence that she was on to something? If the answer is yes, and we'd say it is, then either the same is true in our case or the sexes aren't equal. But I love that he's like, imagine a world where women are attacked. For stating their opinion. And I love that he said dozens of tweets because I'm oh. like, D- 
dozens of tweets per second, oh, idiot. You mean thousands of death <laughs> threats and your address being released? And so pe- Yeah. Yeah, like, this is what women deal with every day. And what's his name? I already forgot. James Ferrara. It happened to him once. Is like, oh, I'm butthurt because feminists are yelling at me. Bro, if you think fucking your tweets equate to Jim Crow, then fucking I'm the Twitter version of the Holocaust. Like, holy <laughs> shit. Are I know. But that's what, you know, privilege is, right? That his little world was rocked minutely for maybe half a day. And he was like, mommy, help. Yeah, because you know? the Wall Street <laughs> Journal just figured out how to use a fucking comment section and Twitter. And like now we can respond to them and they're like, I don't care for this at all. Right. The little people are yelling at me. <laughs> it's not because you're a man, dude. It's because you're a fucking jerk off. Why you are going to now? Now that the enemy is at the Today's activism segment comes to you, as always, in partnership with the Unfuck It Up Project, where creator Katie Goodman and director Katie Klebusik encourage involvement over apathy by highlighting people and organizations that are doing good for their communities and the world. Today's campaign, Ed Act Now. One in four women will be raped by the time she graduates college. One in four. And nearly two out of three schools do not follow anti-violence law. Rape survivors leave college without degrees at understandably higher rates than their classmates and, therefore, have all aspects of their lives affected going forward. The blow to their earning potential, societal contributions, and satisfaction in their personal relationships is felt in our broader culture. Ed Act Now, a national student collective of survivor activists working to stop campus gender-based and sexual violence, is standing up to demand that our government do more to protect its citizens. Through Change.org, they are petitioning Education Secretary Arne Duncan to enforce Title IX of the Education Amendments. Title IX is the landmark civil rights legislation that prohibits discrimination on the basis of sex and guarantees students the fundamental right to education free from sexual violence and harassment. It is known for its effect on athletic programs, but it was pinned four decades ago to have a much broader impact. Add your name to the Ed Act Now petition, and then, if you can, RSVP to their event this Monday, July 15th at 11 a.m., where they will be delivering the petition in person and in mass at the Department of Education at 400 Maryland Avenue Southwest in Washington, D.C. There will be speakers and networking as well, so it's a great way to get involved in larger issues surrounding women's rights. Securing the rights of women in our country starts with instilling respect for all genders and ensuring that young female students have the same opportunity as their male peers to prosper, and hopefully find their way into public service to increase the parity in our culture across the board. Links to today's campaign will be in the show notes and all the usual places, and you can visit the Best of the Left Facebook page for this and other activism opportunities and to share actions for possible use on the show. Could you help unfuck it up? And then say, are you really so fucking busy? You can't take one fucking minute to help unfuck it up. Uh, 
was I'm willing to pick one thing to help unfuck it up. Won't you join me? Everybody on this side. The events arising out of Cleveland, Ohio are so shocking, so unexpected that they cause us to pause and to question, how well do I know my neighbors? How well do I know anyone? We don't, of course. We see one's comings and goings, but Americans don't like meddling or mingling much. In earlier times, men said, a man's home is his castle. This principle reigned for decades. I suppose now some will say, a man's home is his dungeon. Huh, but I digress. Cleveland isn't as far from us as we'd like to admit. For a quiet scandal is simmering on the stove that may even make Cleveland look almost normal. I speak of the tens of thousands of cases, most of which go unreported, of women in the military who are raped by fellow soldiers, airmen, marines, and their officers. Perhaps few such attacks are more of betrayal, possibly that of a father of a daughter, but here, where young women enter with the illusion of camaraderie, they are betrayed by the so-called brothers in uniform, and then turned on by officers who resent their reporting of such attacks. We live in a rape culture. Who can deny that this country was born on the freedom of white men to rape African and Indian women on a whim. Indeed, for centuries, it wasn't a crime. Why should it surprise us that it's so deep in American male culture? Donald Matthews, a black clergyman and author of the book Honoring the Ancestors, coined the term rapitalistic to reflect the twin forces of rape and capitalism, to reflect the American drive to conquer and exploit all that it touched. Women, land, nature, non-whites. From Cleveland to Iraq isn't so far after all. From imprisoned nation, this is Mumia Abu Jamal. Born a poor young country boy songs for everyone I think that the native culture thing comes out of having seen male domination and seen it fail uh, when you're looking at Native American cultures for example you're looking at cultures that have been on this continent for 10,000 years they've had plenty of time to, to work it out Jack Forbes, who, he's deceased now, but he wrote a book called Columbus and Other Cannibals. He was a professor of Native American studies oh, at, yes. at University of California, Davis. And I went out and interviewed him when I was writing Last Hours of Ancient Sunlight. And he said, you know, my people, the Native American people, he said, when, when you white people first showed up on our shores, you were, you brought and you were infected by a mental illness. We called it wetico. It's a, it's a, it's a spiritual and, and intellectual and emotional mental illness. Of, of male domination and, and basically rape, rape, rob, and pillage. And he said the problem that we were confronted with as, as the people who had fully populated every square inch of this, of this continent, the problem that we were faced with is we could fight it, but then we would become it. We could lay down and die, but then it would wipe us out. Or we could run away from it, but eventually it would catch us. And most of us who survived just ran away from it. The ones who fought, lost, and the ones who, uh, or became it. 
and uh, he described this as wetico, this, this this mental, this cultural mental illness. And I think that in in many ways this is also the story of men and women, and at least in the fifties. I mean, this is kind of the madmen complex. Jay, it's Todd from an occupied Los Angeles, and uh, I heard that nobody had chimed in on white privilege, and um, certainly there are things as a white male, especially in my case, that uh, you can do to negate your privilege somewhat, uh, like have long hair, have tattoos, have a mohawk, things like that. The fact of the matter is, is that I can drive down the street and I most likely won't get stopped. On the other hand, a black male can work his whole life, go to Harvard, get a medical degree from Yale, be driving a Mercedes Benz and get pulled over with guns drawn on him because he's driving while black. Pretty simple. Hey, Jay, what's going on? It's Chris from Colorado Springs. Anyway, I wanted to call about the um, women's rights, basically, episode you just had. And I don't like calling in and complaining about something or bemoaning the state of affairs without at least trying to provide a solution or an idea. And, you know, Jenk um, kind of pointed something out when the first thing they talked about, and this was actually something I found absent from most progressive media coverage of this whole Ohio sneak attack budget bill abortion ban nonsense was nobody else talked about the budget like you know uh, the progressive media outlets i listened to i didn't hear about the budget and i find that in election years <clears throat> you know we always hear oh well Mitt romney has to run on the on the uh, economic side the economic side and maybe this has been done and i'm just ignorant to it but i i think we as progressives suck honestly at connecting the things like women's health and, you know, universal health care, for that matter, we're a little bit better about that, but connecting it to the overall state of the economy. And that little um, satirical bit you had on the last episode where the, the poor woman in Ohio is trying to um, get an abortion and, you know, she has to go, you know, sit with her mother and watch her cry and all this other stuff. And, you know, at the end she's like, no, just fine, I'll have the baby. And then she says, I, I can't afford to feed this baby. And I'm like, oh, well, that's not our problem. And if we can, as progressives, try to draw lines economically between, you know, the number of people on food stamps, the number of people on who are takers, to use a conservative term, and how that directly corresponds with, you know, the rising number of people in poverty, and how does that happen? Well, we have people who are uneducated. Well, how does that happen? Because we don't have money in our education system, and then they have children when they don't want to, and then they can't feed those children, and yada, 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 yada. I mean, I know it's a big rabbit hole, but if, I don't know, if we can try to unite as progressives, and every time somebody brings up abortion and they try to make it a fundamental, you know, life versus choice issue, that we can try to squeeze in the economic ramifications, because they're huge. And uh, my, my theory about conservatives remains the same, that some of them actually care about life, and religion and God and all that happy stuff, and others just care about money. And I think the vast majority just care about money. 
if we could just wake them up to the idea that, hey, actually helping the poor, you know, helping the disenfranchised, like the women and the minorities in our society, that actually has long-term economic benefits for everybody. And believe it or not, a little bit of investment up front will actually make you more wealthy in the end. If we can get, try to get that across to these idiots, you know, I don't know, though. But anyway, that, that's my kind of quasi-solution. I know there's a ton of holes in it, and it's difficult. It's probably already been tried, but I just thought I'd put my two cents in. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks to the volunteers who helped gather clips to make the show possible, and thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you'd like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 202-999-3991. So today we have heard a lot about rape culture. We've heard it described. We've heard it referenced. We've heard it admonished and so on. And so I thought, you know, here at the end of the show, why not just hear it in action? Why not just actually show rape culture at its most raw? So I went and I found this clip I saw a little while ago. It's, it's from uh, my new favorite blogger. She's a, a feminist blogger at the, the website Jezebel. Her name's Lindy West. And basically she uh, was you know arguing that comedy is not exactly a welcoming space for women. It's dominated by men, and there are lots of jokes that you know are anti-women and so on. And uh, more specifically, she argued that rape jokes are just not an awesome thing, <laughs> to, to put it mildly. And so she went on to television. She argued this case against. Uh, she sort of debated a comedian. It was a you know a, a calm sort of civil debate that she had. Um, but the response is what I'm about to play, which is rape culture at its most pure. So Lindy posted a blog titled, If Comedy Has No Lady Problem, Why Am I Getting So Many Rape Threats? And then along with that blog, she, uh, she posted a video. The video starts and white text on black background comes up that says, I went on television and argued that comedy is not a welcoming space for women. I received thousands of responses from comedy fans eager to prove me wrong. Here are just a few of them. And now before I start playing the video, I just want to say that this is definitely the worst thing you will hear probably all week. So if you need to turn back uh, now, uh, turn off the show, then you've been warned. Jim should rape this bitch and teach her a lesson. No need for you to worry about rape, uggo. Jabba has nothing to worry about. Not even a prison escapee would rape her. Jim raped her in this one. I disagree with her point of view because she's a fat, ugly cunt. Fat, ugly, angry, no man in her life. This is the conclusion. That big bitch is bitter that no one wants to rape her. Do some laps, lardy. Holy shit, her stomachs were touching the floor. Let's cut the bullshit. That broad doesn't have to worry about rape. Norton rapes this bitch in debate. Women shouldn't be worried against guys that hate women. They should be worried about men who loves women a little too much. Let me guess that's the same thing the cops said to you after you got raped. It's funny that an unattractive girl won't get raped. That makes her sad, so she eats and becomes fat, and that is funny. There's rape everywhere. Shouldn't leave your phone at home, sweetie. Women hate the fact that they can be raped at any moment, but 99% of men are good enough not to. I love how the bitch complaining about rape is the exact kind of bitch that would never be raped. Why is my vagina being used as a crutch? Bitch, have you looked in the mirror? Your vagina isn't being used for shit. 
I bet feminist Lindy West is a sub. That being said, I'd eat her hefty buttocks. I think she has a rape fantasy. I would fuck Lindy West. Why not? She looks like she needs a good fucking rape culture. What does that even mean, you feminists and your silly made-up words? That woman is in as much danger of being raped as I am of being sliced in half by a real-life lightsaber. I want to put an apple into that mouth of yours and take a huge stick and slide it through your body and roast you, sexy thing. I think she won't need to worry about rape with that diet. I'd like to see Lindy West fall down a flight of stairs. Should I rent a motel room for the two of you to release all of the sexual tension? Well, I be damned, a nigger and a lesbian attacking this poor white man. Wake up, white people. Yeah, what does she know? Get raped, Lindy. Ha ha ha. Funny joke, brah. Only pretty girls get raped as not-so-pretty girls help lift the fridge. There is a group of rapists with over 9,000 penises coming for this fat bitch. Lindy West should stop hating on rape jokes. She is literally the last woman on earth who needs to worry about being raped. Kill yourself. Norton rapes this bitch in debate. Jesus Christ, this woman is about as fun as dry rape. Lighten up, Lindy. Don't disrespect people's way of calming themselves down. Embracing the sick idea of rape keeps some from ever actually doing it. It's only insulting if you make the choice to be insulted. It's funny because she never has to be afraid of rape. She's too big to wrestle down. Do everyone a favor and kill yourself, please. I bet she will never get raped. Who the fuck would want to rape that fat bitch? Kill yourself. She wants to get screwed so badly. I bet you all the rape she is shaking her finger at is exactly what she wants. Yawn, find me a group of men who boast about just how great rape is. Yeah, no one wants to rape that fat whale anyways. She's just bitter because no one would rape her. Somebody didn't get laid last night. I appreciate you take preventative anti-rape measures like being so dumb and obese no one will want to sleep with you ever. Let me guess, you were abused as a child. This fat chick is so uppity as if she would ever get raped, dumb heifer. You're not going to get into her pants with talk like that. She is just mad because no one would ever want to rape her. LOL, you can't rape the willing. Her. Get the fuck over it. They aren't advocating rape, dummy. I bet she's just jealous nobody would rape her. Jezebel editor gets raped in debate. You are literally the most pretentious cunt ever. Go get cancered. See, the ring isn't the same. Honest question, are you a victim of abuse? She's so upset about rape jokes because her rape fantasies have been left unfulfilled. She's just mad that no one would ever want to rape her. Maybe if you don't want to get offended by a rape joke, don't get raped. Sounds like Lindy West hasn't accepted that she's been raped. He should have said the best way to end it is for Lindy to actually get laid so she won't be so fucking uptight about girls getting dick and not her. It's a man's world, Lindy. Fat dykes like you shouldn't have opinions. Fat bitch is mad. No one wants to rape her. I wish Patrice was alive so he could destroy this cunt. And now, as a fun mental exercise, let's all remember back to the uh, the clip played on today's show describing the Wall Street Journal writer complaining about the feminists attacking him for what he had written. Do I even need to ask if anyone thinks that the attacks from the feminist sounded anything like what we just heard? So on that note, that's going to be it for today. Thanks to everyone for listening. Please subscribe to the show and make sure you get every single episode, either through iTunes or with the RSS feed or with the smartphone app. Best of Love has its own app made for iPhone, Android, and now Windows 8 phones as well. Thanks especially to those who support the show by becoming a member or making one-time donations. That is absolutely how the program survives. Stay tuned into the show between episodes by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter. And for details on the show itself, including links to all of the sources and music used in this and every episode all that information is always posted in the show notes on the blog so coming to you from inside the beltway yet outside the conventional wisdom of washington dc my name is jay and this has been the best of the left podcast coming to you every third day thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com and it's a cry and shame how we get so trained